Why did some people in the prophet Lehi's vision of the tree of life abandon the tree after having partaken of the fruit? And by extension, why do some people today reject Jesus Christ and what he's offering after having been exposed to it and maybe experienced some of the blessings thereof? Those are the questions we're going to be tackling today on the Ask in Faith podcast, where each week we seek Christ-centered answers to life's difficult questions. If that interests you, please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode quick summary of the Tree of Life vision might be helpful. In the Book of Mormon, there's a prophet named Lehi who has a vision of the Tree of Life. Now, the Tree of Life is a tree that's miraculous and bright and beautiful, and it's a symbol of, or one of the things it can symbolize, is the love of God. And it has this wonderful fruit, which can be a symbol of Christ and his atonement, because, you know, probably one of the greatest fruits of God's love is the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And and his atonement. So with that kind of background, um, let's just introduce the second question. Why do some people today reject Christ and what he's offering? Now, I want to be very clear here as a disclaimer. There are lots of reasons, and I don't profess or confess to know the reasons that any individual might feel to, to turn away from Christ. Speculation can be dangerous, and regardless of the reason, these people are brothers and sisters Children of God need our love and our support and our welcoming arms, not our accusing fingers. So uh, with that in mind, I hope this doesn't come across at all in an accusatory way. But the question remains, why did these people leave the tree? And I think there's something we can learn from this vision that can help us to stay at the tree with Christ, partaking of the fruit uh, or the blessings of his atonement. All right, so with that in mind, let's take a look at 1 Nephi chapter 8, verses 10 through 12. This is a description of the tree and gives us a good gauge as to why people wanted to stay there or why someone might want to stay there. It says, And it came to pass that I beheld a tree, this is Lehi talking, whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. Okay, so the tree makes us happy. The fruit of the tree makes us happy. Okay, it came to pass that I did go forth and partake of the fruit thereof, and I beheld that it was most sweet. Awesome. It's sweet. It makes me happy. Above all that I ever before tasted, yea, and I beheld that the fruit thereof was white to exceed all the whiteness I had ever seen. So it's like incomprehensibly white, which is often a symbol of purity, uh, of holiness. It makes me happy, and it's sweet. Okay? Verse 12, And I said, as I partook of the fruit thereof, it filled my soul with exceedingly great joy. Wherefore, I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it also, for I knew that it was desirable above all other fruit. Okay, so quick recap here. It makes you happy. It's sweet. It's white or holy or, um, you know, spiritual, I guess. Um, It brings great joy, exceedingly great joy, such that you want to share it with other people, and it's exceedingly desirable. All right, so that's a lot of reasons to want this fruit. And we see that Lehi is fully taking advantage of the tree and its fruit. And there's no indication that he wants to leave the tree. In fact, he wants to invite his loved ones to come to the tree and partake of it with him. Doesn't that sound like the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his atonement? That that once you've experienced it, it fills you with such joy and sweetness that you want others to come and partake of it also. Now, we're going to see a little contrast here. Is there's, ever, there's other people that come to the tree. There's other people that have a different reaction. Okay, so in 1 Nephi chapter 8, verse 28, we see a group of people that also come to the tree. And it says, verse 28, And after they had tasted of the fruit, they were ashamed because of those that were scoffing at them, and they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost. Right, so the implication seems to be here that 
they came to the tree, they, they partook of the fruit of the tree, they got distracted by worldly influences and worldly accusations, and then they left the fruit and the tree and were lost. This is a devastating and really sad moment because we understand that this is symbolic, right? That, that every, President Boyd K. Packer said that everybody is in this vision, right? Everybody that's come to earth is in the vision. And so these people that are tasting of the fruit and leaving, those are our fellow brothers and sisters, right? That have experienced on some level the gospel of Jesus Christ and the atonement of Jesus Christ and have chosen to abandon it and leave it behind, which is really tragic. And so we might ask ourselves, why is it that they would do that? Why would they leave? And I think the key, a key, is in the verbiage here. Um, And this was pointed out to me by someone much smarter than myself, and so I take no credit here. But notice what it says in verse 28. After they had tasted of the fruit, they were ashamed. What's the difference between tasting and feasting? Right? Like, have you ever fasted, right, where you didn't eat for like a couple of meals or didn't drink water for a couple of meals, maybe even 24 hours? After that fasting period, are you in the mood to taste or are you in the mood to feast? I don't know about you, but I am in the mood to feast, which means I'm going to proactively, like, I'm going to get my favorite food and I'm going to partake and I'm going to clean my plate and it's going to be a a good old time. Like, I'm going to fill myself to the brim. Whereas that doesn't seem to be what's happening with these individuals. They just tasted. Synonyms for tasting that come to mind are like nibbled, snacked, took a bite. With my kids, it's like, hey, give it at least a taste, right? Like they have to at least try it. And lo and behold, they only tasted. And when the persecution came and when the difficult worldliness came and the temptation came, they left. Somebody might argue, and I could totally understand this, wasn't it the mocking from the great and spacious building that caused them to leave? And no argument, that is a contributing factor, right? Like the the mocking is a factor. But we see in a couple verses later, I I think it might be verse 32, I can't remember off the top of my head, that the other people at the tree were also experiencing the mocking and the peer pressure from the great and spacious building. But their reaction is, we heeded them not. So we see this example of people who feast, stay with Christ. People who feast upon the words of Christ, who feast upon all that he's offering, who who take advantage of every blessing of the atonement of Jesus Christ that Christ is offering wholeheartedly and open-handedly. Those people tend to stay with him. Whereas those who just are satisfied with a nibble or a taste or just a step in the door usually don't have the strength to stay. And I'll give you an example. Think of two plants in a garden. Okay, Both are watered periodically and then left to the heat of the day. One dies and the other thrives. Why? Now you're smart, so you probably put this together. One of them probably has deeper roots and drinks more deeply of the water that is seeped down into the the ground beneath the the surface. You, You could say, well, it's the sun that killed the plant, but the sun doesn't kill the plant. The plant's failure to drink deeply from the water source is what caused its destruction. The sun could have, in fact, helped the plant to grow if it had been more strongly rooted, if it had gone down to the source and drunk deeply. The same is true with us. How deep are our roots? How often are we drinking from the living water? Are we drinking deeply or are we satisfied with a sip? It reminds me of another story I once heard about a young child who fell out of his bed in the middle of the night. Uh, When he was asked by his parent, why did you fall out? Like, what happened? He simply replied, 
I guess I just wasn't in there far enough. I think sometimes um, it happens to us with our conversion to Christ and his covenant community. When people leave Christ in his church or, or, or choose to reject what it is that he's offering, after having partaken of his goodness, sometimes the reason may be that while they were in, maybe they just weren't in far enough. Maybe their roots weren't quite deep enough. Maybe we were satisfied with sipping and not with drinking deeply of all that Christ was offering. Now, with that being said, I just want to repeat the disclaimer that there are so many reasons and factors uh, in why someone might choose to step away from Christ or his teachings or their covenants that are beyond the scope of my ability to understand. And so I don't presume to point fingers, but I do want to point out that in this vision, people who leave Christ and his blessings are often those who are only tasting. Um, And we, as members of his church and people who are trying to follow Christ need to be wary of that and need to be thinking, am I only tasting? Am I satisfied with sipping? Or am I feasting? Am I drinking deeply? Now, one more scripture that might help to tie this whole uh, conversation off is found in the book of Alma, chapter 5, verse 26. Let's take a look. Now, this is the great prophet Alma in the Book of Mormon, and he asks a series of introspective and incisive questions that are worth a, a, a reread if you haven't read them in a while. Um, but here's one of them, verse uh, 26. And now, behold, I say unto you, my brethren, and obviously my sisters are included in this, if ye have experienced a change of heart, and I might add, if you've experienced the blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ, Back to the verse. And if ye have felt to sing the song of redeeming love, I would ask, can ye feel so now? Can ye feel so now? It's really easy for us to think back to times in our lives. Maybe it was during our original conversion to Christ and his teachings, during a moment of sincere repentance when we felt the forgiveness of a loving God and the atonement of Jesus Christ working to change us and help us to become better and to feel joy and peace again, to feel the Spirit return. Um, Whatever that moment has been or many moments in your life when you felt a, a swelling of commitment to God and a joy, uh, in him. Can you feel so now? Do we feel so now? Are we satisfied with great big drinks that we took five years ago on our mission or 10 years ago at EFY or FSY or when we went to the temple to get sealed? Are we satisfied with those memories to the exclusion of any current feasting or current drinking deeply of those living waters and all that the Savior is offering. I hope we're not. I hope that we are constantly digging deeper, trying to build our foundation even more on Christ, drinking deeply from the living waters. Let's not be satisfied with simply sipping. Let's drink deeply. Let's feast upon the fruit, not just taste it. That is what the Savior is asking us to do, and that is what will help keep us with him at the tree. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Ask in Faith podcast. If this has been helpful for you, please like, share, subscribe, leave a review. It really does help. We want to get this message to as many of God's children as possible and appreciate your support. Have a great week.